So we're continuing today after Pastor Deb shared an amazing message last week about Jesus and about her sermon was all about how God gives up power. God comes close to us. God makes himself known and he becomes like us. And it's amazing. He empowers us to be like him. It was so good to hear that word from Pastor Deb. And so today we are going to be specifically focusing on Jesus and on the historical evidence for his life, his death, and his resurrection. And this is one of my personal favorite topics to talk about because it is crucial to the Christian faith. Even if you don't believe in God today, even if you don't believe in Jesus, it's hard to deny it when there are facts, there's historical evidence that backs up Jesus is who he says he is. And that's what I wanted to communicate with you this morning. I want to communicate that Jesus Christ He died and he rose again. And we're going to talk about what that means for us because we claim this in Christianity. We claim that Jesus Christ, he came divinely, um, he came as a divine person. He died and he rose again. But if somebody really conquered the grave, if somebody really overcame death, isn't that something you want to know about? Isn't that something that you would give your life for? Isn't that something that you would want to know if it's true or not? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because it will change your life. Jesus will change your life. And the resurrection is the centerpiece of Christianity. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, there's no point in being here. Our faith is futile. That's what it says in scripture. But if Jesus Christ did indeed rise from the grave, that changes everything. It's the most important thing in history. It's the most beautiful news ever because I don't know about you guys, but my whole life I've struggled with the thought of death. Death is something that is universal, that touches each and every one of us. It's something that causes us fear. It's something that causes us to wonder, to question what happens after you die. What is dying like? What happens when my loved ones pass away? And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus has conquered death, and that is good news for all of us because we can have genuine hope in our souls. And who wants that this morning? I think all of us do, if we're being honest with ourselves. We all want to have hope that Jesus is who he says he is. So let's continue on this morning. I just want to set some groundwork real quick that we're talking about a lot of facts today. We're going to be talking a lot to your head. We're going to be talking a lot intellectually. But I want us to hold this intention. I want us to hold that the fact of the matter is we can spend our whole entire lives trying to know everything, and we're going to know about maybe 0.2% of the whole world's knowledge. If Who was at summer camp? Was anybody at summer camp? Yes, great. Love it. Pastor Adrian shared one morning, and it really impacted me when she talked about how she just she told a story of discussing with this this amazing scholar who had like multiple doctorates, multiple PhDs, all the all that, um, and how he was asked of how much of the world's knowledge he thinks he knows, and he could probably say maybe like one percent, but how much do I know? Probably like point zero 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 zero. Zero, zero, one, maybe. Like, that's generous, right? If you think about it, all the languages, all the science, all the arts, all the facts you could know about everything, how much do you really know? Doesn't that just blow your mind a little bit? We're kind of small. So even though today we're talking about the facts, 
just hold in the other hand, we actually have to have faith to like go through life, not even just to believe in Jesus, but we actually have to have faith in lots of things too. Oh, guys, I'm going to go so long. I have seven pages of notes. I need to like hurry up. Okay. Anyways, we're going to keep going. Oh gosh. Okay. So anyways, faith is a life commitment based on sufficient evidence. That's from my favorite professor, Gary Brashears. He's my favorite. Um, but faith and evidence go hand in hand. So just keep that in mind this morning. We're not telling you to go believe something that is completely stupid or not based in any kind of reality. That's not true. So here we go this morning. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're just so excited to talk about you today. We're so excited to talk about how you've changed the world, how you've changed our lives, how you've changed history, and how you've given us hope. Jesus, I pray today for clarity, that my words would be understood, that each heart would be open to your truth, Lord God. Thank you so much for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've all heard many things about Jesus. We've, maybe you've heard that he's a good teacher. Maybe you've heard that, that he was a wise man. Maybe you've heard that he was a complete myth. Maybe you've heard that he was crazy, that he claimed to be God. Who does that? Maybe you've heard a lot of different things about who Jesus is. But today we're going to see who he really is. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to Romans 5.17 real quick. It'll also be on the board. Romans 5.17. And this is written by our friend Paul, who was a follower of Jesus. But it says this, Romans 5.17. Are you there? Wow, no one's there. <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you're there. Romans 5.17. Perfect. All right, let's read it together. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That is such a beautiful passage, you guys. Because what it says is that because sin entered the world through Adam, through the first man, through humanity, we all sin. We all mess up. We all do not live in God's plan for us. But just as death entered through Adam, life has entered through Jesus Christ. That is the best news of our lives. We do not have to fear anything. We do not have, it says, we do not have to fear sin and death. We live in triumph over the, these things. And this morning, I want to talk about the historical evidence for Jesus overcoming death. It's so exciting. So we're going to go quick. So bear with me. I'm just so excited. <laughs> okay. We'll just jump into it. So point number one, Jesus Christ is a real historical person. And throughout all of time, throughout history, how do we know things? How do we know that people landed on the moon? I mean, some people don't believe that, right? <laughs> if you talk to some old people. Yeah, it's a little controversial. Um, but we know things happened because people throughout time have recorded things, and they are called historians. So that's how we know things. We know things because people in history have written them down. It's amazing. But history has a lot to say about Jesus. And so in this, in this scholastic world, those who do not believe Jesus was actually a real person 
are actually not even credible in the scholastic world. Um, scholars truly believe that Jesus was a real person. There's lots of evidence, but um, this morning I even just need to take a step back and say I am not coming to you as an expert at all. I have done very little research, and this is my little research that I'm presenting to you. There are people that have given their entire lives to study this. So this is just this like tip of the iceberg, people. Um, it's just a little tiny bit of what you can dive into and discover about who Jesus is and about the evidence for Christ. So it's amazing, but this is just a little tiny taste. It's an appetizer. How about that? Perfect. Okay. So one of my favorite quotes from, um, this book that I highly recommend, it's called the problem of God by Mark Clark. Um, it's an amazing book all about apologetics, lots of stuff that we've talked about. I won't take a bunch of time and chat about it, but I'll chat about it with you any other time you want to. So read that. It's great. Um, he says this, let me get to it. He says this about Jesus Christ being a historical person. Also, I need to see the time. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm only on page one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is a disaster. That's okay. Anyways. Okay. He says this. It's really great. He says, historically, at least 10 first century historians outside of the Bible, mention Jesus Christ of Nazareth by name. And some of them are Jewish, some of them are Roman, and most most are not friends of the Christian faith at all. Indeed, they frequently had anti-Christian agenda, which means that Jesus Christ is a historical person, and there's evidence of that that's not just from the Bible, because we want a holistic view from history of who is this Jesus guy? Who was talking about him? And it turns out lots of people were. So, very exciting. Secondly, we have this piece of evidence that, um, can everybody say Josephus? Josephus. He was a Jewish historian from the first century. And he was living in Rome, and he talked a lot about Jesus. um, And he recorded lots of history. But this is what he says, and this is pretty exciting. um, Because he is a Jewish historian, which means that Christ was very opposite of what he stood for. Because Jesus came and he wrecked all the Jewish leaders. He upset them. He took all their power away. He showed people a different way to live. So if anybody didn't want to record who Jesus was, it would be Josephus. But this is what he says about Jesus. He says, about this time there lived a man named Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah and won upon the accusation of the principal men among us. Pilate had condemned him to death on a cross. Those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them spending a third day restored to life, which means he rose again. For the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. How amazing is that? And this Jewish historian records that Jesus was a real person, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, and that the tribe of Christians, the followers of Christ, have not disappeared even to this day. It's pretty, fan- it's pretty fantastic. Okay, so that, we got to hurry up. Okay, secondly, Jesus Christ claimed to be God. He did. Um, And actually, I'm not going to take a bunch of time going into this, just because if you read throughout scripture, Jesus makes plenty of claims to be God. Plenty of things that he says. You can see John 8. um, He claims that he is I am, which is an Old Testament term. um, That's God's name, I am. 
Um, so Jesus did claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God in um, John 10. He says, I and the Father are one. You know, kind of can't get around that. That means he's claiming to be God. So um, we're not going to spend a lot of time going into that. Um, but I just want to comment and say real quick that other religions that try to fit Jesus into their mold, saying he was a good teacher or saying he was a wise man, ignore the fact that he claimed to be Jesus Christ, that he claimed to be the Son of God. You cannot have the good teacher and be the Son of God at the same time. You have to accept who he was for the fullness of him. So third point, real quick. Jesus Christ was crucified and he died. And we see the story throughout all the Gospels. In each Gospel, you can see that Jesus was crucified. But you can also see in other pieces of historical literature that he was indeed crucified and died. Um, okay, we're going to read um, a quote from a historian called Lucian. And he lived in Greece, and he was a second century um, writer, satirist, that kind of thing. But he wrote... Um, about the Christians as following. Are we doing okay? Okay, great. So he said this. The Christians worship a man to this day, the distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. He was crucified. It was impressed on them by their original lawgiver, Jesus, that they are all brothers from the moment that they are converted and deny the gods of Greece, so they only worship one god, and worship the crucified sage, which they worship Jesus. And they live after his laws. So, an outside source again. We're, we just don't have the time to go into all of this. But it's, oh, P.S. I have a little packet for all of you at the end. So don't worry about taking pictures or writing down all the notes. I'll give you all this, and we can talk about it later. Does that sound okay? Yeah, just listen. Just kind of receive. Um, don't worry about getting all the quotes down, because I have them for you. Um, and a list of resources, too. Okay, so the objection to this, people say Jesus didn't really die. They say it was, it was a myth, it was fake, um, they faked his death. Here's the thing. Probably not true, really not true, can't be true. He got 39 lashes with um, a Roman scourge, which means um, it's a whip that actually has pieces of bone and little spikes that is meant to um, rip the flesh off people's backs. Um, so he got 39 lashes with that whip before he was crucified on the cross. So then he had to carry his cross all the way to the hill of Calvary where he was crucified. And um, when he was nailed on the cross, so his, um, the nails actually went through his wrists and through his ankles. And then he, if that wasn't enough, he was speared in his side. And scripture tells us all of that. So People that say that Jesus didn't really die clearly don't have a good understanding of human anatomy or how the body works. Plus, the Roman systems of torture were the best in the world, unfortunately. Um, Romans knew how to kill people really well. One fact is that um, they would crucify up to 6,000 people per day. 6,000 people. They were experts in killing people. Um, and the other thing is, if a prisoner got away... The Roman soldiers were actually the ones that would be put to death if they let that happen. So they had huge incentives to not let any kind of prisoner get away because if they got away, they would be killed. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty gruesome, but the fact of the matter is there's no way Jesus didn't really die. That no human body could have withstood that. Okay, so we're going to move on. So Jesus Christ for sure died. 
for sure. Um, fourthly, Jesus Christ rose again. So this is where it gets good, and we're going to spend more of our time this morning. Um, so we see that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 20. You can turn there. It's one of the best passages in the Bible about this topic. It gets me all fired up. Um, so here it is. This is what Paul says. He says, if Jesus Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins, and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead. So Paul even says in this statement that he says, if Christ did not do what we're claiming him to do, there is no point for us to be martyred, to be tortured, to be persecuted. There's no point to it. If Christ did not do what he claimed to do, there's no point to our lives. So piece of evidence number one, um, that Jesus Christ rose again. We get to look at how the disciples stood for their beliefs and stood for their convictions. And it's really interesting to look in scripture because scripture does not paint the disciples in the best light. If you really look at them, they run away. They deny Jesus. They're afraid. They're cowardly. They don't really, they bicker amongst themselves. They vie for power. They're not the epitome of morality, actually. But you see, after Christ died, they wouldn't even go see him when he was being crucified. Think about that. If your friend, if your leader, it's a little, sorry. <laughs> um, if your leader was being crucified, you would want to go be with them. But they didn't even have the guts to go stand with Jesus in his darkest hour. They didn't. But after the crucifixion, after Jesus died and rose again, they changed completely. It's amazing to look at them. And the thing is, is that they wouldn't die for something they knew to be false. We don't even want to die, period. We don't even want to die for those we love, honestly. It's pretty terrifying. But they willingly gave up their lives for something because they knew it to be true. They saw Jesus. They got to touch him. They got to see him. They got to know him. Many of them were martyred, and many, some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were decapitated. But they stood for their faith, and they claimed Christ till the very end. Let me read you guys a quote. It's from um, The Case for Christ. If you guys have heard of it, it's a great book. It's all about this stuff. It's amazing. Lots of really cool facts. I highly recommend it. Um, but it, it says this in the book. It says, while most people can only have faith that their beliefs are true, the disciples were in a position to know without a doubt whether or not Jesus had risen from the dead. They were able to know for sure. They got to see him. And it says this, they claimed that they saw him, talked with him, and ate with him. If they weren't absolutely certain, they wouldn't have allowed themselves to be tortured to death for proclaiming the resurrection had happened. Does that make sense? They wouldn't have allowed themselves to, to give their lives for something that they knew wasn't true. It's amazing. 
because they got to see Jesus with their own eyes and their own hands. And if anybody could have discredited the, the claim that Jesus rose from the grave, it would have been the disciples and the apostles because they were the ones walking with him. But they gave up their lives. They had nothing to gain from this. They had zero to gain. They were going, they knew they would be tortured. They knew that they would be killed. They knew that their lives were virtually over if they claimed this. But yet they did. It's amazing. And we also see in scripture too, just real, real quick, and I think this is really interesting in scripture. Um, the book of James, how many guys have you heard of, have you heard of the book of James? Yeah. So it's in the New Testament. James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. Plot twist. Okay. Imagine if your sibling claimed to be the Christ. <laughs> You'd be like, absolutely not. I will not follow you. Like, there's no way. Like, I know what you're like at home. Thanks. <laughs> but, so super weird, right? If your sibling did that. But James converted and led the church and worshipped his brother. Craziness, Right? Like, if anybody could have discounted Jesus as the Christ, it would have been James. But James was a leader in the church and promoted the gospel and claimed that Christ is the Messiah. Just a fun fact. Okay, piece number two. One of my other personal favorites. Um, so fun. Oh, God's word. So good. Okay. Um, guys, women found the empty tomb. It's amazing. Okay, so cool. Let's just talk culturally real quick. Women had no voice in that culture. We don't need to really go into it because we probably understand that they were not allowed to vote. They were not allowed to have any rights. Their testimony was not held up in court. They had no say. They couldn't own property. All the things. Um, they were considered untrustworthy. Lots of Jewish literature actually talks about how it's better to, like, it's horrible to be born a woman. It's shameful. All that stuff. So, not a high regard of women. Um, but... They found Jesus. And if you're, okay, if you're writing a story, if, you know, you have your, like, your plot line, and it, like, what is it? Rising action, and descending action, and the climax, and what's the other stuff? Cl oh, uh, conflict, right? Yeah, all that stuff. Okay, so you have your plot line, all that. Beginning, middle, end, characters, protagonist, antagonist. Now, some stories are, like, way too good to be true, unfortunately, like Santa Claus, right? Huge bummer, huge bummer. <laughs> I know, but it's too good to be true. How does he get all around? He can't. He can't possibly. Um, but the Bible is hilarious because it actually presents people in a really terrible light, like we talked about with the disciples, but it actually, like, shows what really happened because of that. And here's the thing. Okay, here's a quote from The Problem of, the Problem of God, this book. It says this, so funny. If you wanted to convince people in the ancient world that your leader was raised from the dead, casually, you know, as you do, um, that you're making up the story, you do not make women the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. You just don't. You wouldn't do that. It would be counterproductive. And yet here, pushing against common sense, against tradition and culture, the testimony is given by women in all four gospel narratives. So that's a huge piece of evidence, you guys, that Jesus Christ did rise from the grave. And it's so fascinating because the Bible is beautiful and set apart from all other religions because of the way the Bible and Jesus actually esteems men and women. He holds them in their proper place. He gives everyone a voice. 
he calls everyone by name. So it's about the equality of men and women, and we get to see that through this um, fun fact in the scriptures. Okay. Peace three, Jesus appeared to many people. We see that scripture. Um, scripture says that it's recorded that he see, he sees lots of people, lots of disciples, um, lots of different places. Okay, I think I'm not going to read that. It's too good, guys. We should have a seminar. <laughs> you guys are all like, no, I'm tired. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, we'll move on. It's great. First Corinthians 15. Just read the whole thing. It's great. Um. So we also see that Paul went to see Peter and James to get eyewitness testimony. And actually that's in Galatians 1, 18 through 19. Um, and I love this. It's a little geeky, but I love it. So it says, Paul's writing this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. So basically that just, oh, just real quick. It tells us that Paul actually went to see two disciples of Jesus to get their testimony. So Paul's not just writing whatever the heck he wants. He went to go talk to people about this because he wanted the truth. And that's what we have recorded in scripture. And the, the word in this, um, talking about ascertaining and getting information is actually the same word for history. Because Paul's not just there to get a fun story. Paul's there to record what actually happened. It's amazing. That's how we have scripture. Okay, so an objection to the fact that Jesus rose from the grave is they went to the wrong tomb. Are we following? Are we okay? Okay, good. Sorry. Just get a little, little excited. Okay. Um, oh, it's great. <laughs> okay. Objection one, they went to the wrong tomb. And this is just not going to work because if they went to the wrong tomb, the Romans, once again, were a pretty brutal society. So they very, very quickly would have dragged out Jesus's body if they were to the wrong, wrong tomb and claimed that Jesus was alive. The Romans would have just gone to the right tomb, grabbed his body and paraded it around. That's actually historically what they used to do with the others that had been crucified, other leaders, just to show that they were conquered completely. So the, the objection that they went to the wrong tomb just doesn't hold up um, under scrutiny. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. So second objection is the eyewitnesses were hallucinating. So all the people that claimed they saw Jesus, they were just completely hallucinating. They didn't know what they were seeing. Here's the thing, though, um, from the case for Christ. Interestingly enough, hallucinations are individual occurrences. We don't hallucinate as a group, right? And hallucinations are, you know, like we all see something. I don't know, a ghost or I don't know. I, just said, I almost said a cat. That's not... Anyways, um, just going to be myself up here. Okay. Um, but, you know, we don't hallucinate together. Plus, the only way people really hallucinate normally is if they're, like, starving or uh, dying of thirst or if they're on drugs. Like, so the fact that all these different eyewitnesses were actually in different places at different times in different groups of people... Um, in different numbers of people. So there were small groups. There were like some women alone. There were groups of disciples and other, other large groups of people. They all could not have possibly hallucinated the same thing at different times in different places. That just doesn't make any sense. And who's going to believe that, right? Okay, so that's a, another objection. Objection three is that Christ's body was stolen. Um, and it's interesting that, that this is circulated because... This, actually, this myth um, that the disciples stole Jesus' body was circulated by the Jewish leaders, and that's really, really significant. 
Because why would they spread a rumor that Jesus' body was stolen if they're claiming he didn't rise from the grave? Why would they spread a rumor that Jesus' body was stolen if Jesus' body was still in the grave? The fact is they, the Jewish leaders were claiming in a non-direct way that Jesus' body was not there. Right? Are you guys tracking? Jesus' body was not there, so the Jewish leaders had to make up a reason why it wasn't there. And the thing is, is that the disciples actually thought the body was stolen, too. We see that in John 20, 1 through 2. Um, it just says that Mary Magdalene basically tells Simon Peter that they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and, and we don't know where they've laid him. Um, and so this is basically saying, too, that... Um, the disciples thought that somebody had stolen the body, Jesus' body as well. They were pretty shocked too, even though Jesus had told them time and time again, I'm going to rise from the grave three days later, all that stuff. They didn't get it. That's okay. Um, and the other thing is, is that Jesus' body could not have been stolen because there were Roman guards outside of the tomb um, that were stationed there. Again, like we talked about, that would have been actually killed if Jesus, Jesus was um, let out of the tomb, basically. So all that is a lot, right? Are you guys okay? <laughs> it's kind of a lot to like be listening to you at 11 o'clock on the spring forward day of the year, right? It's a little factual. It's a little in your head. Um, but I hope you guys hear that this is really significant and this is really exciting. This is good news. Um, and wherever you're at with your faith, I just hope you guys hear that Believing in Jesus is not crazy. Believing in Jesus is actually rooted in history. You can see that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, and so kind of, guys, I did so good with time. Oh, gosh, I could have gone longer, but anyways, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so much self-control. Okay, so my last point, you guys, and this is like my favorite, one of my favorite things ever. And I keep saying that, but it's true. Anyways. Um, okay, so this is my favorite, and this is point five. Jesus Christ is either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Okay. Um, how many of you have ever heard that before? Yes. We love it. And this is our friend C.S. Lewis, who... Um, he was a 20th century British writer, professor, and theologian. He studied God. He actually is so amazing because first, he was actually an atheist, which means that he was against God. He didn't believe in God. He said that God didn't exist, didn't want any part of that. But then he was converted. He became convinced that Jesus Christ is true, that he's real, that he died and rose again. And then he became one of the most important thinkers and philosophers and theologians in the 20th century. And we see, we benefit so much from his work. How many of you have like read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or seen the movie? Yeah, so, so he's done a lot of really amazing creative work, but that's not just what he's done. He's also thought a lot about who God is, about how to think about God, um, basically through morality. It's really great. So I have a huge... Lovely quote by him, and it's going to be great. You guys are going to love it. It's from his book, Mere Christianity, which I also highly recommend. It's a little bit less factual about Jesus, but it's more arguing the moral reasons for why Jesus is God. Does that make sense? Arguing in a different kind of way for why he's God. So it's called Mere Christianity. I highly recommend it. So um, 
Here it goes. Oh, it's great. It's up there. Okay. Um, oh, that's so good. Okay. This is what he says. Good old C.S. Lewis. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He's basically saying a great moral teacher would not claim to be God. That would be crazy. If they were just a great moral teacher, that would make no sense. Let's go to the next slide. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg. British humor. That's not funny to us, but... Maybe it is to British people. Um, What does poached mean? Okay, anyways. Okay, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Go ahead and go to the next one. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, which they did. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that up to us. And he did not intend to. So in this amazing thought process by C.S. Lewis, we see his argument here that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And if Jesus was a liar, if he was God, if he wasn't God but claimed that he was, then he has no authority. But if he was a lunatic, he he thought he was God but wasn't, he would just be mad. He'd be crazy. And the only other option is if he... We see these writings of Jesus. We see his heart. We see the beauty of his words. We see the life that comes from his teachings. We're inspired to be better humans, to be more like God, to be all that Jesus has inspired us to be. We see that clearly he was not a liar. So what is left? What is left is Jesus must be Lord. Jesus must be the Lord of everything. So I'm going to call Debriana back up, and I just want you guys to take a minute. And with this heart, the heart of hearing these wonderful facts about the resurrection, these wonderful things about who Jesus is, we heard all about how Jesus was a real historical person. We heard about how Jesus clearly died. He was crucified. We see that throughout history. And we see that Jesus' tomb was empty. It remains empty to this day. We see that Jesus rose again. And we see that he is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And so I just want to have some space for you guys, actually, Um, to begin to think about this question. And it's the most important question of your life. And just as we read at the beginning, I'm going to read this passage again at the end to close our time. And it's Romans 5, 17. 
And it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So today, just as C.S. Lewis has taught us, you have a choice. And you must make your choice. And this is a time, you guys, um, just a time of reverence, I think. I feel that the Holy Spirit is stirring in your guys' hearts. Maybe there's things that you have actually not addressed in your heart when it comes to believing in Jesus. Maybe you've been raised in the church and you've been told these things, but you've never thought that they were actually true. So maybe you're sitting here just having a collision with the truth and the reality of Jesus. And that's okay. It's okay to sit in that. But here's the thing, you guys. When culture is telling us that Jesus is just a good moral teacher, we can see that that is not all that he is. We see and we have to come to a place of making our choice. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Even in this time, you guys, I would just really encourage you to maybe even close your eyes. That's not to be weird or spiritual. It's just to like focus and not be distracted by what's going on around you. But really just take a second with the Lord. Be honest with him about what you believe and what you have believed.